Mindfulness Mode 128. I feel like if you mindfully say, I give myself permission to just be sad, I think that's okay. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Need more focus? Need to get centered? Just go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash focus to download five free guided meditations, which I'm sure will help you get centered. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm really thrilled to have with me today Ramona Rice. So Ramona, are you in mindfulness mode? I'm as mindful as I can be. Ramona Rice is a sports kind of girl. At least, that's how she's known and loved by thousands of her followers. It wasn't always that way, though. Sports was of minimal interest in her life until she met James. James was a big guy and a big-time sports fan. And Ramona's passion for James stoked a deep passion in Ramona for all things sports. Ramona even started her own podcast called The Sports Gal Pal. Then the unimaginable happened. With with a young marriage and two high-energy children referred to by Ramona as her tiny humans, James suddenly died of a stroke. This was only six months ago. Ramona's strength, her support team, mindfulness abilities combined with her writing and online content creation skills have given Ramona the words to share her journey of grief so you can learn from her experiences as well. So Ramona, first of all, Thanks for being here. And can you share what mindfulness means to you? Mindfulness for me is when I purposely and deliberately choose my actions, choose my words. And I'm not always good at it, but it's a daily thing that I focus on. Um, It's just being very deliberate with my actions, particularly business mode um, and not doing things by accident, but by planning and trying to just be purposeful in, in my actions in life. And I feel like, you know, so many times you know, as a mom and business owner that, you know, it can get overwhelming. But when I have a plan and a kind of a framework, it usually goes much better. So that that's what mindfulness means for me. Well, the cool thing about you, Ramona, is at least as I see it, you have an ability to just be who you are. And it just seems like you don't worry about things like that. You just kind of, you say stuff, you act a certain way, and it just comes across as being fun, funny, and you're just a great person to be around. So what do you attribute that to? A lot of work. Um, I actually have, and I, I, I don't mind talking about this, generalized anxiety disorder. So huh. I um, take medication and sometimes I can get in my own head too much and I worry too much about what other people are thinking about me. And because of that, um, you know, and that seems so opposite of what I portray. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been a lot of work, um, a lot of journaling, a lot of mm-hmm. thought, thoughtful, you know, just this thinking about things and, and realizing that in the scheme of things, people don't really think about you as much as you assume they are. So it's been a lot of getting out of my own head. Um, once you do that, and also again, I've, especially this past year, I've been through something, you know, in, incredibly traumatic, really. Yes. Once you kind of go through something like that, you kind of realize, you know, really what's, what's the point of worrying about what other people th- think about you? It changes your perception, doesn't it? 
It, it does. It, you know, and basically for your audience, I'll just say it. My husband passed away yeah. suddenly in February. He died of a stroke at 37. And, uh, you know, I, I saw him collapse. I was there in the hospital. We took the ventilator off. You know, I was there for his last moments. And when you go through something like that, you know, and then you have to be the one to tell your children that, you know, w- once you go through something like that, you, you kind of just you realize a lot of life is, is just BS. Um, I'm trying to be really clear because mm-hmm. normally I, yeah. um, I use a lot of foul language. That's another thing. You know, you kind of embrace the fact that I'm just going to say what I want to because for the next year, I'm, I'm grieving widow. I get to use that yeah. card and I joke about it. But realistically, um, you know, there are days where it's overwhelming. So for me, it's just a matter of just saying at this point, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, well, there's a zillion other people you can hang out with. And that's great that you can say that. And it's too bad more people couldn't be like that. Because I think as a society, that can screw us up. You know, like we get all worried about things and we get uptight and then we say or do things that we may not normally say or do. What do you think? Oh, I, I still have those moments. I, I still have those things where I, I'm a people pleaser and I want to make everybody in my world happy. Um, I just went through a situation actually where I've got a really good girlfriend and um, I, I, we have different political views. I'll put it like that. And um, she was like really arguing with me. And I finally said, you know, it's, it's enough where we don't have to talk about this anymore. We know that we disagree and let, let's just not talk about it anymore. And I knew that that kind of offended her, but I couldn't worry about it anymore because it was just no. stressing me out. So <laughs> I, I just feel like sometimes too, you know, sometimes I do this, Bruce, where I say, do I have permission to be blunt? And once you get that permission and you take advantage of it, it cuts away through some of the bullshit, you know, and that and that's the yeah. thing It's just that sometimes we, we worry about the pretenses of what we're supposed to be rather than just getting down to what we really need to do. And if you start getting down to what you really need to do and what you really need to say, you, you just don't waste any time. And trust me, time is valuable. Yeah, time really helps us. So let's go back to that time when James first died. So how did you deal with it? Did mindfulness help you? To be honest with you, it didn't. Um, I checked out. I, I totally, I, I purposefully, you know, actually, that's not true. I would get up in the morning and I would say, okay, get up, make your bed, take a shower, get dressed. You've done enough today. You know, I gave myself permission to, um, in the first couple of days, just focus on those things and then focus on the task at hand. You know, the one nice thing about planning a major event in a couple of days, which is a funeral. And it was a massive funeral. Um, we had, I think like 400 or 500 people there. It was, it was cra- more people were at the funeral than were at our wedding, which was nuts. Mm. And again, my focus also was on my children. So in a way, yes, I used mindfulness to focus on those things, but I ignored myself and I went into serious denial. I went right back to work and my regular job, you know, that I had, and it finally came to, I, you know, there was one night um, several weeks ago, right before I quit my job, that I just literally lost it. And I just finally had the big, ugly cry and finally realized, like, oh, my gosh, this is my life, that he's not on a business trip, that he has died, and that I am a single mother. You know, I went from having a husband and a great life in six hours being a single mom. And to go through something like that, and so unexpectedly at my age, I mean, I'm only 36. Mm-hmm. It's scary. And my kids are young. And um, sometimes, you know, to be mindful 
is exhausting. So I have to pick and choose when I want to. It's easier now. But in this first couple of days, it was just enough to give myself permission to go. You made your bed. You took a shower. You got dressed. You've done enough today. You're getting through it. Yeah, you're getting through it. So you depended on routine, on habit, and you just stuck with that and just didn't try to do anything else, right? Yeah, no, I try to stick with the routine and then I let people baby me. I purposely let my mother take care of me. I let my friends take care of me. I did not focus on every detail of the funeral. I made sure that the things that I wanted were there, but then things like actually visiting the funeral home to bring the clothes and, you know, some of the details of the death certificate. I didn't go to those meetings. I purposely didn't. I let other people take care of me. And I think that was looking back was a purposeful, you know, intention of myself going, why do I need to go through every trauma? Just because I'm his wife and I love him and doesn't mean I have to be involved with every little thing. And I think right. that was okay. You know, it's just, it's just purposefully giving yourself permission to check out. And I think that's okay. You know, people hear the word, the term mindfulness and you're thinking, oh, you're meditating all the time and you're, yeah. you know, so centered. No, sometimes it's, it's permission to give yourself going, I'm turning it off. I'm going to watch right. nonsense. And literally for weeks, I watched Netflix shows like Parks and Recreation and things I knew would make me laugh and happy. And, and I tried to avoid things. Um, it was really tough because, you know, you've alluded to this that I, you know, hosted a sports podcast called the Sports Gal Pal. And the inspiration was it was because I became a huge sports fan because of my husband. I was going to be a sports widow. And mm -hmm. I purposely said, you know, I don't want to be a sports widow. I at least want to understand why he loves this so much. And because I fell in love with it, it was something we could do together. And, um, you know, he died right in the middle of one of my favorite things, March Madness. And mm -hmm. my favorite university, the university I went to, University of Virginia, was going in deep. And I had to purposely tell myself, you will watch these games and you will enjoy them because this is a huge part of your life. And it was hard. Um, so it just depends on the day and the moment, really. But those those initial days, when you go through any kind of traumatic event, whether it's losing a job or, again, losing a spouse or losing a house or, you know, just anything that, that that's traumatic and loss, I feel like if you mindfully say, I give myself permission to just be sad, I think that's okay. It's different than I was afraid that I would start what I term wallowing. And mm -hmm. that is, you know, making... This is going to sound odd. I just am not one of those people that wallows in, in my grief. I, I try not to because I mm -hmm. feel like it doesn't serve a purpose. Everything that happens to you in life, good and bad, serves a purpose in some kind of way. There's a gift in everything. And it's your job to find the gift. So with this grief process, you know, the gift was me realizing that I hated my real job. So I quit and I left. And, you know, I'm, I'm home right now with the kids this summer because we needed time as a family of three to heal. And um, was that scary? Yeah, but it was the best decision. And I had to make that, you know, mindfully. I had to get to a point where, you know, and I get it, it was really, really scary. And so I feel like. When you go through something like this, if you can try to hang on just shreds of mindfulness, it helps. But if you don't, that's okay. Yeah. So let's talk about your children, your tiny humans, as you as you call them. You call them tiny humans. <laughs> so talk to me about that. How did you how did you manage with your children? How did you communicate with them? What was your approach when when James died? You know, um. That, that honestly telling them is the worst moment of my life. It's funny. My daughter, her middle name is Joy and she is full of joy. And uh, my husband and I used to say we would hate the person that caused her her first heartbreak. Well, mm. it turned out to be me. Mm. And I remember, I don't remember exactly what I say, said, 
but I remember sitting in the living room with them and explaining, you know, that daddy had a boo-boo in his head and because they're only nine and she just turned eight. So they're very young. Right. Yeah. And but they're old enough to understand. Like it's a weird age. Mm-hmm. And um she collapsed immediately and my son, he took a breath. And then he collapsed too. And we just, we just hung on to each other. I was so lucky. I, I received wise counsel. My minister was there and he said, you know, don't do it in their rooms. Don't say it was part of God's plan. Don't talk about heaven, you know, just lay out the facts and let them cry. And I think that helped a lot. You know, we didn't try to try, play, play blame. And I've just tried mm-hmm. to be as open with my grief as possible. Mm-hmm. Try not to show them like the really scary, like when I'm, you know, sobbing unconsolably because that's, that's, that's not healthy, but you know, we, we all went to counseling together and we, we talked about counseling together. And, and so we were open about that. And, you know, we just talk when we talk about daddy, you know, we, we, we look at pictures of daddy and we talk about daddy and, and we do things intentionally. Like um, she, we just celebrated her eighth birthday this weekend. And so we've decided as a family, when we have a birthday, we have an extra candle on the cake for daddy. And that way daddy's mm-hmm. there. And because the candles are a significant part of his funeral service. Um, the minister did an amazing thing where, I wrote a piece um, for the funeral book. So he read that and he goes, I think Ramona is is in the right place. So he tailored the entire service around my children. And it was amazing. He did this thing where he had a candle lit up because it was during Lent and we're Lutherans. And so he had the Lenten candle that you light um, during um, – you know, funeral services and everyday Lent to, to, you know, 40 days after, after Christ rose again, I, I'm getting it all mixed up, but it, mm-hmm. anyway, it's a significant candle. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize he was doing this, but, um, as he was talking to the kids and as he's talking about candles and how candlelight, you know, candlelight, when you take borrow candlelight from another candle, it just, it spreads. It doesn't go out. It doesn't diminish the other flame. And behind us, he had had candles for every person that was in the, in the funeral. And he goes, look, when you're missing daddy, look at his light. It spreads to everybody. Mm. I could not turn around to look at it because I knew that I would um, lose my mind. Mm-hmm. But the kids saw it. And I, I've heard so many people say that that candlelight thing was just the most amazing thing that they've heard. And so for us, when we, we light candles, we, you know, we do a lot of things like that to think about daddy. And we talk about daddy. We don't hide the fact that we're sad and you know, some days are better than others. And they, you know, kids, when they grieve, it's very interesting. And I think most more adults need to do this. Um, it's something called dosing. And what they do is, is that they'll go, okay, I'm sad. I'm going to go play Legos. I'm sad. I'm going to go ride my bike. I'm sad. I'm going to watch a movie. I'm sad. I'm going to go get a hug. Whereas adults, we feel like we need to like sit in our sadness and watching them grieve. It's amazing. I think it's helping my grief tremendously because it's showing me that there are healthy ways to go, you know, I'm sad. Let me go do something that makes me happy. You know, and I think that's okay. It's not denying your grief. It's instead redirecting it into something else. And so it's amazing to me. They're they're very mindful of their feelings and emotions. And we're, we're trying the best we can in Mm-hmm. It, it just depends on the day. It, it just happened in February. This is July now, and I'm not sure when this when this podcast goes live. But right. uh, you know, it's one of those things where I just try to be in tune with them. I try to spend as much time with them. And again, me quitting my job and spending the summer with them at home has been tremendous because we've been able to just hang out and not have a schedule and not have a plan and just go, you know what? This is what this is all we're focusing on the summer. It's just the three of us and rebuilding our. Um, little tribe and we're also lucky you know we had before my husband passed away we had actually moved in with my parents we were planning on buying another house so we were renting out our our house that we own 
And it was like we were setting ourselves up for this. So when when he died, we didn't have to move out of our house. We'd already moved out of there. We'd already established where we're living. So I have grandparents that are helping me raise them as well. So it's not just me in the house with them. I have two other adults as backup. So I get a break um, because single parenthood, it's exhausting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And so you've got your parents to help you as well as help your children. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's so great. You know, there are times when I think my mom sees that I'm just really sad. And, you know, the, the, I went through a stretch a couple weeks ago where I was napping in the afternoons and that's mm-hmm. a sign of depression. You know, I mean, I, I, I call it right now. I'm a functional. De- I'm in functional depression where I seem like I'm OK on the outside, but I'm depressed. I, I'm sad. I, you know, I'm just not I'm just I privately grieve. I'm not going to sure. blast it out every day like, you know, I miss him, but I, mm-hmm. I miss him. And yeah. Um, you know, so she sees her, she sees my cues, she sees the kids cues and she just knows, you know, and she sees things about the kids. Like she was noticing my daughter and I forgot about this. She and my husband cuddled every day. I mean, he was a big six foot seven guy. So she would just curl up in his lap and they would watch basketball and movies and things. And she just snuggle in. She's missing that. So now we're, we're going, okay, she needs more hugs and cuddles. Whereas my son needs more rough housing. So we're trying to have more boys come over so he can get mm-hmm. that. And it's those kind of things like not replacing daddy, but just making sure those, those basic needs are met. And I think that when you're in tune with your children, when you're in tune with your own emotions, like I realize that I miss touch. So I'm getting massages now regularly. So that I have someone touching, like, you know, when, when it's very rare that unless it's an intimate partner that someone touches your back. Right. I, I mean, and that's a real thing. So now I'm getting massages regularly. So I have someone touching my back. So it's those kind of things. And I feel like when you kind of see those things and you recognize those things, that's mindfulness to me. So mindfulness doesn't have to be you meditating all day or reading like whatever spiritual guru is out there. I think mindfulness is really you just every day saying, this is what I need emotionally and mentally to make me my best person. And sometimes your best person, again, is get up, make the bed, take a shower, get dressed. And that's all you need to do. Sometimes that's okay. Let's talk about prayer, silence, meditation. You mentioned you're a Lutheran. Do you pray? Do you have? Do you meditate? Are any of these things part of your life, Ramona? At the current moment, no. I'm kind of mad at God. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have talks. I don't necessarily pray. We 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 have lots of chats going. Okay, I'm not sure why you did this, but I'm, I'm rolling with it. I'm mad at you. Um, you know, I, I believe you know the the book, The Shack. Is an amazing yes, book, amazing book. Even if you're not a Christian, it's just an amazing book about forgiveness and moving on. I mean, you know what that father goes through, mm-hmm. and I love the way he describes his relationship with God. That God's a parent, and that really stuck with me. So when I was going through this, I'm like, you know, I'm a parent, and so sometimes I have to make decisions for my children. They don't understand, but it's out of love, and they don't like. And for whatever reason, he made the decision because this is what I believe that James, it was James's time to go. And I don't like that decision. I don't agree with that decision. I think it's a terrible decision. But it's beyond my capacity to understand why. So I'm not I'm not focused on the why he died. I'm just focused on, you know, what do I do next? So I have a lot of conversations. I have a lot of conversations with my husband. You know, I, I talk to him. I don't feel him. My daughter's dreaming about him, which is great. Um, I haven't. Like I kind of miss his voice. I listen to music that reminds me of James um, a lot. And then I journal. Um, I journal a lot. I'm a writer. Um, you know, yes, I'm a podcaster, but but first and foremost, I'm a writer. And I'm actually working on a memoir right now where I'm taking 
the significant games that we saw in our relationship and our marriage and equating them to, I'll give you an example. So um, one of the first Super Bowls we saw was Tom Brady's first one with the New England Patriots back when people liked Tom Brady and they liked the New England Patriots. Right. And so the people don't like them anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give your audience a context in case they're not sports fans. Right. So um, I talked about Tom Brady. A lot of people forget he was the backup. You know, when he was he was a six round draft pick, you know, he was not supposed to be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Yet he's become that. So what happened? And so I'm writing about that. And then I'm saying when I met my husband, he was supposed to be the rebound guy. I had had a serious boyfriend. James was just supposed to be the rebound. He was supposed to be fun. And he stuck around for 14 years. And so, you know, I'm doing that kind of projects and, and I don't know if I'll ever publish it. It's mainly for me and the children, but mm-hmm. it's, it's finding those kind of like, I feel like that's one of my best things. So I do that a lot and I journal. I mean, I write down my feelings and, you know, sometimes then I, you know, I zone out by watching, you know, Netflix shows I've already seen a zillion times because sometimes I just need a mental break. So, um, I feel like right now, if I tried to deliberately like meditate, I think it'd be very difficult. Just because of what I'm going through emotionally and mentally. I mean, to see someone you love die, even though it was, it was peaceful because they kept him so medicated, it's still mm-hmm. very traumatic. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's you know, and, and you're just in shock. Like, I left the hospital with my parents and I was just, I, I was numb. I, I just was like, oh, my God. Because I watched in the hospital, the same hospital we had our daughter in, um, think, you know, and, and I walked out without a husband. I mean, that that's incredible. So in six hours. I went from having a husband to being a widow in six hours. And that's just, there's something odd about that when you really think about it. Yeah, there really is. Let's talk about your journaling a little bit more. I know you're a writer. Is there structure to the journaling? How much journaling do you do every day? What form does it take? Um, let's see. So I have a private journal that I write in that hopefully no one will ever read. I've got several Mm -hmm. and I'm not a daily journaler. I journal when I feel the need to just, decompartmentalize sometimes I write down like this is an exercise for anybody who's anxious I will write down when I'm really having like I feel a panic attack coming along I um, now write down everything I'm anxious about and you cross up all the things you really have no control over and when you do that there's power in that Um, you know I write uh, sometimes I write publicly um, when I'm really feeling the mood I'll tell you my longer Facebook posts status updates have been very interesting when I'm really honest and I feel like I have a nice way of, of writing when I'm sad or when I'm being very thoughtful in a way that's not attention grabbing. Mm -hmm. I feel like all those things are a combination of of journaling in some way. You know, when you update your status, your Facebook status, Mm -hmm. and you do it like deliberately, guess what? That's journaling. You know, it doesn't have to be private. It doesn't have to be Dear Diary. It can be, you know, anything. Sometimes it's just as simple as writing a to-do list. These are the things I need to accomplish today. That's technically a journal. Your agenda books are journals. You know, there's lots of different places where you can plant your thoughts. It's just a matter of are you doing it because you feel the need to? Or are you doing it because you want to? Or are you doing it because someone's making you? And, and that's that's the tone. For me in the writing, it's where honestly I could be myself. And um, again, like the memoir piece, you know, I work on it when I'm up to it. And then I put it away for a while. You know, and that's just the way I've always done my craft. And with with my private journal, that's where I can, I don't worry about spelling errors or grammar or things like that. I just, I just write and it's scribbly and it's messy and, you know, but I don't do things like sometimes people will draw. I'm a terrible drawer. So I don't do that. It's free form until I feel the need to stop writing. And then I put it away and go do something else. Right, right. And do you use other forms of social media to kind of help you through this? I know you mentioned Facebook. Uh, 
uh, Facebook's been the best one just because my tribe truly, my personal tribe really lives on Facebook. So mm-hmm. when it happened, I remember I wrote, I made, and if you want it for the show notes, I'll send it to you. It's the saddest video ever. I was so, so sad. I wasn't sleeping the first couple of days. I stayed off of social media for like a good, like three or four days. I, I, mm-hmm. I read everything people were writing to me, but I just couldn't respond. And um, I made a video montage of like pictures of James and myself and the children together and found, you know, a very, very like meaningful song um, cover of Cordine's, um All I Want. And it, it, the words are great. Um, and then I think it was um, Ellie Golding who did the cover. And so it's a female voice. And um, that video, it was amazing. So basically it's a video journal it got played like 4,000 times. Wow. And I wasn't trying to do it. There was, it was nothing more than I just wanted everyone. Honestly, this is going to sound awful. I wanted everyone to feel as sad as I did. Uh-huh. I cannot be the only person on this planet that feels this sad about this man. So I want everyone to feel this sad. I want everyone to know how much he loved me and how much I loved him in our life together and how mad I am that I don't have that life right now. You know, something really precious was stolen from me and the children that we can never get back and we can have a substitute someday maybe, but it's not the same. And so doing that and just being honest, you know, I'll post photos of the kids and him and talk about what happened, you know, so social wise, it's been really good, but it was also really challenging. Like, you know, I reconnected at podcast movement and you were great. You didn't really mention it, but I can't tell you how many people kept bringing him up and I'm just, mm. and I just have a, a week where I'm not thinking about it and, mm-hmm. but you can't be rude and say, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You smile and you do the, thank you for thinking me. Thank you for praying mm. for me. But please, you know, it's just one of those things yeah. I just really want to wear a sign that says, I don't want to talk about my dead husband today. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but then that will draw more attention. It's an odd thing. Yeah. Grief. Grief is the oddest thing because you feel everything. You, it's a big open sore and sometimes it scabs over and it bursts open really quickly. Um, and it just depends. And it comes to you in the, the oddest ways. When I flew into Chicago for podcast movement, I'd forgotten a year ago, you know, I had made the plans for James to come with me. So I put him on the reservation. So the the reservation clerk goes, oh, where's Mr. James? Where's Mr. Rice? And I'm like, oh, he died. I didn't think about it. And she just gave me the look. She upgraded my room, which was really nice. I'm not going to lie. That was kind of a nice, but... You know, it's just, it, it's those moments that I'm less like, oh, <laughs> yeah. that's when I'm like, oh, I wish I had mindfully said, no, he just couldn't come, which would have been the truth too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. cause I ruined her day. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. man, yeah. I feel, I feel awful. So, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, but it's just the way it goes. But social wise, um, it's been interesting. It's interesting. I treat each social network like its own entity. I know a lot of people are the same. I'm very different on Facebook than I am on Twitter. Twitter is where I'm really body and brashy, and that's where Sports Gal Pal lives. And she's a mm. she's very much me, but she's like a heightened like version of me, if that makes sense. And also on my other show, we should not be friends. Like that version of Ramona is really obnoxious, and I wouldn't want to hang out with her all the time. But weekly, it's good. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm there. I didn't really talk about the death so much. So it was very interesting when people on Twitter finally realized what had happened. Mm-hmm. That that the outpouring of my fans from Sports Gal Pal, they were really great. Um, so it just depended. It, it, you know, it became a weird thing where it was like, it, it's an odd thing to know you're being talked about. And again, having the journalized anxiety disorder and working for years, realizing people don't talk about you to finally be in a situation where people realistically are talking about you. Right. People ask my mother every day, how's she doing? You know, and that's got to be hard for my mom. So it's an odd thing to, I, I just realized that, oh my gosh, I'm finally in a situation where everyone's talking about me and that's the last thing I want. <laughs> 
it's it's the oddest it's yeah it's the oddest place to be i think i think people resonate with my story because i'm so young and i seem so positive and and i can't tell you how many times bruce people have said you're so strong and i'm like no it's it's all fake i'm not strong <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just choose not to show you all the ugly Right, right. You mentioned, Ramona, that you really, really miss the sound of his voice. Do you listen to him? Um, I listen to videos I've taken of him, yeah. Yeah. I miss the way he, you know, at the, what I miss the most is at the end of the day when the kids mm-hmm. are asleep. Yeah. Just that, you know, you take for granted those quiet moments when you're in bed together. My yeah. head would fit in his shoulder yeah. just like perfectly. And I used to say that was the safest place in the world. I don't have that anymore, and I miss yeah. that. I do, and you know, it just—I miss his presence. And you know, it's—it's it's funny. I'll be honest. Our marriage was going through a rough patch for a lot of different reasons, uh-huh. and um, you know, I—I I don't really mourn the husband aspect of him. I miss my best friend. I miss the guy. I miss my children's father. And those inside jokes, you know, anybody's been a parent and has had a baby in the middle of the night crying and, and, and mm-hmm. the silly things because you're so tired, but you love this little thing so much. And you're like, what the hell did I do bringing this into the world to do this to myself? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I miss the inside jokes he and I shared together that only he and I would understand those memories of those babies when they were so, so little. Um, and now I'm the only person in the world who has those. And that's, it's enormous amount of pressure I feel because, you know, it just, I, I miss him so much. I'm sure we all deal with grief in different ways. And, and it just appears from the outside as though you have a way of dealing with your grief that's more healthy than some. And I hope that's true because I know that sometimes I just close down completely and close down even to myself. And I know you have to close down to the outside world sometimes, but you have to keep something happening within yourself and you can't completely close down. Or you can for a a while, can't you? But not completely. Yeah, I I was in denial for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, of my own emotions, thinking I'm fine, you know, I'm sad, but I'm okay. And I wasn't giving into the wallowing. And finally, mm-hmm. I gave into the wallowing and I was like, okay. And I asked myself, did I feel better doing that? I'm like, at the time, yeah, but I don't want to do that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there are times when I, I you know, just all I want to do is cry. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I do, you know, when I was in my old job, um, which I left earlier this summer, um, you know, I had a private office and I would just sob. Mm. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, um, I was invited to do something at Pockets Movement. I was the MC of the um, PMX talks and I was super excited. They yes. invited me yeah. and it was a thrill. And, and it was, it was so, so exciting. Cause I've only been podcasting a year basically. Right. So for me to be invited is, a, it, I think it's a big deal. Yeah. And so, um, I, I called James's phone number. <laughs> oh. I did. I totally forgot that he had died. And, um, I, I just sobbed in my office. I had a really good, ugly cry and said, okay, you know, you gotta, you gotta get yourself together. So, and then I called other people and they celebrated with me. So it, it's just, it's just accepting the fact that sometimes for a long time coming, there's going to be a little bit more bitter with sweet mm-hmm. with moments like that. Like my daughter's birthday, 
you know, someone was missing. And we still had a great party, and she had a ball, and she had all of her girlfriends over. They did the spa theme party. We had eight little girls dressed up in, like, robes and slippers doing pedicures and facials. And it was a ton of fun and a lot of work. But, you know, I kept thinking he would have been right in the middle of this with her <laughs> without any yeah. qualm. And yeah. so, you know, it, it's just I'm, I'm, I'm longing for the day when every day I'm not thinking about what I've lost. And I don't know if I'll ever get there. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, that's normal. So everybody's grief is different. And that's the big lesson I've learned through this is that it's okay for me to grieve the way I do. It's okay for me to still laugh and have fun. You know, I'm dating, which some people are like, oh my gosh, that's so early. I'm like, it's not because of many different other, other circumstances and it's okay. But I'm being really clear with the men I'm going out with. Like, this is not, I am not looking for anything serious right now. This is just, I need someone to go to a ball game with, you mm-hmm. know, cause I, yeah, yeah. I I need that, you know, and I, I still go out with girlfriends and I still, you know, laugh and play with my children. I still find joy every day in the midst of what is very deep sorrow. And I could totally succumb and sacrifice myself and drown in the grief. And it is my right to do so. And those who choose to do it, I say, go for it. If that makes you feel good. And there are people within my husband's family who are choosing to do that. I instead remind myself that number one, I am the example to those children first and foremost. And, you know, the healthy way to process grief is honestly feeling the emotions, honestly admitting that you're sad, honestly admitting that you can't do everything right now that you could before, but also acknowledging that there is still great joy out there to discover. And there is something more beyond this. Again, like I said earlier, there is a gift in every death if you're willing to find it. And I'm just on a quest right now to find why, why this is happening to me. And what do I learn from it? Wow. Well, you know, I was there at Podcast Move and I heard you and you you did exude joy and fun and and you just you were funny. You, you said funny things. You kind of you not, you know, not to the extreme. It was just really enjoyable seeing you kind of have you the banter and and do what you did. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow. This is just great. This is amazing. Well, you know, Ramona, I've worked in bullying prevention for a while, and I want to ask you if you have a a story about bullying, either with your children or you when you were a kid, uh, an adult, anything like that where mindfulness would have made a difference. You know, it's funny. My child, my oldest, he is a mini version of me. And and being that means that we have a really big mouth and we say things before we mean them. And when you're younger, people like when I was a child, you know, people didn't understand my humor. As an adult, it serves me very well. Uh-huh. Adult Ramona is great. Adult Ramona is popular. And I wish high school Ramona could realize that adult Ramona, will, you will be fine. And I see this with my son now. So you know, he, he went through a stretch where he was going to summer camps and all and, and after school programs where the kids just didn't relate to him and he was being bullied. And, and it was a large part of the reason why this summer, particularly as his emotions are so fragile, that I said, you know what, let me stay home with them. Let me, let me just shelter them for a little while because I don't want to change who the core person he is, you know, but at the same time, I also recognize that the other kids don't understand him. They will eventually, and he will be well liked and loved, but I don't, Um, you know, and I think that that's the key with bullying is that sometimes you have to realize that it's often because they don't understand you. Right. Or they're afraid of you. They don't understand why you're confident. They don't understand. Again, for me, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't understand how I get up every day. I get up every day because I have the strength and the resolve to do so because it doesn't honor my husband's memory for me to lay in bed all day and cry. That doesn't Mm -hmm. honor him at all. 
So instead, um, you know, with that situation, we had a couple where seriously AJ was was being harassed. We mindfully said, you know, we're taking him out of the situation. Instead of us trying to appeal to the parents and trying to make it better, I'm like, no. Why, why should we fix these children? That's not our responsibility right now. My responsibility is to this child. So we said, you know what? What's the easiest thing? We can move him to another program. And it worked out so much better. Sometimes mm. it's okay for you not to, you know, just go directly to the bully and try to change them. Sometimes it is easier. And this is going to sound like retreating, but it was, is to move the the, the subject of the bullying out of the situation. Um, when you can, sometimes that's, that's the easiest fix. And it was the quickest and it worked because he was in another situation where he had lots of friends and people understood him and it, it just worked out better. So as far as that goes, um, you know, I just say sometimes, you know, yes, you can do talking, you can do intervention and all, but sometimes that makes it worse. I think sometimes it's okay if your child or you're the one that's being abused to just leave, just leave, yeah. just leave. It's okay. Yeah. yeah, it is okay. Sometimes that's the best way. Ramona, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30 second answers. Yeah, they're perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? Um, I would say my children, honestly, um, currently, because the way they handle their grief and the way they handle mm-hmm. their joy and just their focus on today, they don't worry about tomorrow or yesterday. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, Ramona? Um, it helps me see what is truly emotions versus what is really happening. So it, it really gives you kind of a clear cut filter of saying, is this really what I'm feeling or really what is happening? So tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. You know, it's funny. My therapist and I work on this. Um, when I go in, he forces me to do breathing exercises so I calm down. <laughs> yeah, It does help just to take a quick breath before you react. Take a, Just take 10 seconds. Do some deep Lamaze breathing, as I call it, mm-hmm. deep yoga breathing, where you breathe into the belly. It's amazing how much stress that relieves. Could you recommend a book that's related to mindfulness, Ramona? I mentioned The Shack earlier. That one's excellent. Um, One book that I've been reading right now is um, Why Bad Things Happen to Good People. Um, Someone gave it to me after the death of my husband. And it really does help because you realize that it's not necessarily a conspiracy against you that these things happen. And how do you, you know, balance, you know, being angry at the situation that happened versus moving on? Can you share an app which helps you be more mindful? There is. It's called Core 32, and it is an app where it plays pulsating things. So when I'm writing and I need to focus, um, it will work with your Pandora or your Spotify to play music or background music. And it just like the pulsing waves keep me focused for whatever reason. They've got like different options. Um, I believe it's called Core Brain 32. What advice would you give a person who's new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Start small, baby steps. Like I said, you know, something, just just pick one activity each day to be mindful for and a small amount of time, whether it's you choose to follow a guided meditation, you choose to actively pray where, you know, you're actually like focused on the prayer. You do devotional time, journaling, even if it's something as simple as I'm going to mindfully wash the dishes, not let my mind race off, but be clear in the present washing the dishes whatever it is start small you'll build up your endurance to it Ramona this has been so valuable talking with you and I want to thank you so much for being vulnerable being open sharing with mindful tribe the way you have because you know we all have to deal with grief sometimes and 
man, you have a great way of communicating about how you have dealt with your grief. So thank you. How can we learn more about what you do and possibly reach out to you, Ramona? Sure. Um, you can listen to my current podcast right now. It is not appropriate for tiny humans or decent human beings, but it's called We Should Not Be Friends. It is a um, his and her podcast um, with my best friend, Tim Jester, and we were at Podcast Movement, so you probably saw the two of us yeah. bantering back and forth going, what in the world? Um, lots of bad language. We're really mean to each other, but we love each other, and he was there for me during all of this. Um, but you go to weshouldnot.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at SportsGalPal. SportsGalPal.com is also my other site, and then you can go to podcast websites. I'm the community manager there. You can find me there. Awesome. Well, Ramona, thanks again. It's been great hanging out with you for a few minutes today. And I wish you the best for the rest of your day and the rest of the week. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Take care, Ramona. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. Thanks so much for joining us here on Mindfulness Mode. Want more focus? Be like my guests. Get some meditation happening in your life. I've created five free videos to help you get started at meditating. Just for you, Mindful Tribe, with simple yet inspiring video. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com focus. Enter your name and email so you can get started right away. That's mindfulnessmode.com focus. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.